Welcome to Smart Companies Thinking Bigger Radio. Get the inside scoop on how America's most successful business owners transform their entrepreneurial vision into reality. And listen in as some of the top business minds in the country serve up practical advice, tips, and insights for growing your business. Now, here's your host, Kelly Scanlon. Good morning. Welcome to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. Our guest today is Jason Schnellbacher. He is the managing partner at Prenetta, which is an independent ATM operator and payment solution broker that deploys ATM machines all across the country, and they help their clients with their payment needs. And so we're excited to have Jason here today to talk with us about his entrepreneurial story and you know how he got started and his keys to success and advice that he can pass on to all of you, our listeners today. Welcome, Jason. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And congratulations uh, on the 25 Under 25 Awards again. We're so excited that all of you, um, were, we celebrated all of you last weekend. It was it was a wonderful uh, celebration. Just anytime we can celebrate small business and put them in the spotlight makes us happy. So congratulations again. Yeah, thank you. We're very honored to be selected and we had a good time at the event. And uh, in fact, we're already making plans to attend next year. Oh, I'm excited to hear that. That's wonderful. All right, let's talk about Pranetta and why we chose, the judges chose you. Uh, I said you were an independent ATM operator and payment solution broker. What do you mean? That word independent is pretty important. What do you mean that you're an independent ATM operator? Well, basically non-bank uh, really is what that means. So we're, we're not affiliated with, with one particular bank or, or, or another. So think about a, an ATM machine you might find in, in a hotel. You know, usually those those don't do enough transactions to to justify interest from a, from a bank. And so those kind of machines, they're standalone machines, usually are, are managed and and operated by independents uh, like ourselves. Mm-hmm. And and so part of what's unique with, with our story is is that you know there's there's plenty of ATM operators out there, but, but what we did was we, we were able to scale the model. Uh, so how do we go from where we are here in Kansas City to being able to service machines across the country? And so we worked very hard to, to try to create a, a model that was scalable where we could partner with other independent ATM operators across the country and develop this network to the point where now we can truly service nationwide needs. I, I probably shouldn't name drop it, but I had a really big uh, corporation contact just today, in fact, this morning, at 14,000 locations. And they're looking wow. for one provider that can service all of them, right? And um, that's just kind of an example where, where we're able to differentiate ourselves and part of the what makes us unique and, and, and why we were selected for the award is, is the ability to, to scale and operate on a, on a much larger uh, basis. Yeah, and you've certainly done that. In fact, uh, you're operating in every major city across the nation pretty much these days. You're in Canada and uh, some other outside of the U.S. and some other locations as well. But what I was most really impressed about, too, is not just your saturation nationally, but that, correct me if I'm wrong, but in 2015 you had 100 ATMs dispensed, and now in fourth quarter 17, as of fourth quarter 2017, you had more than a thousand. 
Yeah, that's right. Uh, so that's the difference from from being really able to to just service what we're doing here in Kansas City um, to where we were able to to grow on a much bigger scale outside of that. And really, what we did is we brought on my partner's brother uh, to, to be part of our team. We later ended up uh, he, uh, making him a, a partner and. He was able to, to to really work full time with him. He brought on his friend, and so we we really were dominating online, and we kind of had these partner networks set up, and we were able to 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 really grow. I mean, by by a good number of ATMs, really every month. I mean, one month I think we did over seventy new machines in one month mm. uh, at the end wow. of last year. Yeah. So so that was in just two years that you've had a uh, you know what. 100 to 1,000, that's 900 uh, machine growth. That's excellent. What uh, what got you interested in this industry? I don't think people wake up one morning and say, hey, I want to be an independent ATM guy. What what led you to this? Well, that's actually a pretty good story. So we started uh, kind of in the, in the payments industry, bank card processing, credit card processing, that kind of thing. And we liked the, the fact that it was a residual type of business and but uh, we, once we got started, we realized that there's a lot of competition, very low barriers to entry, and, and everybody had the, the same wholesale cost. It's called interchange. It's like the interbank settlement rate. And, um, you know, because of uh, years of competition, the, the margin compression, it was just difficult to, to make very much money at that. And, and one of the partners that we were working with doing processing for, uh, you know, they said, hey, you know, we also do this ATM. You might want to take a look at that. And my partner first brought that to me, and I said, ATMs? I'm like, I don't use ATMs, you know. Uh, that 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 can't be a good business. And, uh, you know, isn't people, everybody going to electronic payments nowadays? And mm-hmm. and I was kind of skeptical. But one of our clients was a hotel uh, here in Kansas City, and uh, they gave us the opportunity to the ATM. And, and we said, well, you know, let's try it out. You know, maybe it's more so in uh, in demand for people from out of town and things. And so we put in the machine over there and really quite surprised at how often it was used. And we did a few more machines, and, and we were pretty much convinced that um, this is a good opportunity. It has uh, higher barriers to entry, you know, less competition. And uh, just seemed to, it works really at the end. It, the numbers worked out better for us to, to focus on the ATM machines. We still do payments, but uh, ATMs really represent probably 90% of what we do. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was just an, really an evolution of uh, where we started in payments originally. So you pivoted from being strictly a bank card processor to focusing on the ATMs. As you say, they make up 90% of your business now. That's really hard for some businesses to do. They're like, you know, by gosh, I got into this entrepreneurial thing to do X, Y, Z. I'm going to see it through. And they don't pivot, and, and a lot of times they do find themselves uh, bankrupt or going out of business, whatever, not doing well. You were able to make that adjustment what did you learn from doing that? Well, we just kind of learned that, you know, it's important to try many things. We tried, you know, many things with the types of marketing that we did or, or other things, and even some stuff I did in a, in a business prior that, that really helped us. And, and once you, once you kind of learn what's working, and then we just kind of more focus our energy and time on, on what was working better. Honestly, it, it might sound uh, more complicated than, than it really was. We were early enough and small enough in, in our our development of the business that it really wasn't a, a major shift to change. We didn't have a lot of assets tied up and other things, right, that, that really um, constricted us from, from being able to, to pivot a little bit. But um, it, you know, it just seemed that we just found out that the, the numbers just really worked out better. That, then that's, you know, one of my advice to other entrepreneurs out there is you really got to know your numbers, 
right? I mean, how do you know if your if your business is going in the right direction and, uh, and trajectory and things like this? And and what? But when we started looking at the numbers, that's when we realized, well, gosh, this is really this is treating us better over here. Sure. Yeah, we need to focus our energy right there. Now, you're an independent ATM operator. Um, you so you fulfill your clients' needs by bringing the ATMs and installing them. And then when you say servicing them, uh, not only servicing them from, uh, I'd say, a mechanical standpoint where if there's a jam or, you know, there's some technical thing that's wrong, you'll come in and or somebody, you'll have somebody come in and fix that. But do you also supply the cash? I mean, what all is involved in that servicing arm of your offering? Well, there's a couple different models, uh, and kind of what you described would, would be what we call a, a full-service placement. Uh, it's not eligible for all locations, but uh, for, for bigger ones that, that generally have um, more transactions, we, we offer that type of full placement option where we provide the machine, we'll install it, and uh, we'll purchase or, uh, the machine, of course, and then we will load it with the cash and we'll fix it if it ever has a, a bill jam or we'll upgrade it when the when the next EMV standard comes out or, or other things like this. And uh, so we pretty much take care of the whole thing. For, for our clients, it's almost kind of like they're able to uh, outsource that. They don't have to worry about that. We'll, we'll take care of all aspects uh, of the machine, mm -hmm. and in some cases, we'll even pay them uh, a percentage or a share of the surcharge, uh, almost like a, a rent or um, in, in type of thing in order to, to have the machine there. But that, that's not the only model we do. We also will uh, partner with uh, other uh, operators around the country or if a, if a merchant uh, a location wants to own their own machine or they want to load their own machine you know we have you know some flexibility in how we set up the, the business relationship and and also do we'll do processing so if somebody wants to, to buy a machine and put it in themselves and load it themselves and all that stuff uh, they we can enable them to do that but we'll have to set up the processing which will um, you know, clear the transactions and, and mm -hmm. make all the banking parts of it work and so we we will have all three models really depending on on what the client needs. Right. You've been at this since 2009. Do you have any favorite stories as you think back over the, well, almost 10 years now uh, as it relates to, you know, late night calls or emergencies or just any, any other memorable kinds of occasions with the machines? Oh, yeah. Well, we've, we've had a few, you know, with, with that kind of time frame. Um, you know, we uh, we have a couple pretty big clients that uh, you know, really go through a tremendous amount of cash. And uh, a couple examples at the at the Kansas City Convention Center here, uh, it's called the Bartle Hall. Some of their events, they really go through a, a lot of money, and we have to watch those those uh, machines very closely. And if there's ever a problem, we got to you know race down there. And, there was a few occasions where you know we were in the middle of doing other things, uh, to, and we got an alert that the the machine was was out and had to drop everything and uh, be surprised uh, how quickly you can get from Overland Park to Kansas City sometimes <laughs> <laughs> downtown. Yeah, uh, and um, so there's a few of those, and uh, you know we've had some uh, some good uh, success stories in, in other parts of the business where you know we were able to to win a big contract um, doing a development project. Uh, we did a terminal application development for uh, a client here uh, in Kansas City that uh, services the airline industry um, and uh, we, we've had a, you know a range of uh, good experiences over the years it's uh, being a business owner it's always something right <laughs> you know how that goes oh definitely yes now you have a, a wide variety of venues that where you put your machines obviously mm -hmm. but what what's the biggest part of your business 
Uh, we do more hotels than anything else. Hotels. So, uh, yeah, yeah. So we, we find that uh, there, there's still a, quite a few hotels, more medium size than, than maybe the, the, the biggest of the big hotels, but they just don't have a machine. And so we kind of mm-hmm. call that low-hanging fruit. <laughs> and so we'll, sure. uh, uh, we have a, a, a sales department that uh, will we'll market and, and, you know, make outbound calls to, to the offer machines to places that we think would probably be eligible for one. Um, and they just don't. And, and so, so by extension, because we focus, you know, some our marketing and sales efforts there, we probably have more in, in the hotel space than anything else. But uh, we do, you know, entertainment venues um, as well as um, convenience stores and, uh, and even sometimes, uh, you know, less uh, well-known places uh, that are just cash only, right? Um, sometimes mm-hmm. businesses are tired of paying the credit card processing fees and they say, you know what, I'm just going to stop taking cards and put in a machine. And, you know, it may not be that busy of a machine, but if that's the only way to pay, then people end up using that machine. No, exactly. I mean, I know uh, I I go into a nail spa and there's machines sitting there and I'm thinking of all things, why is there yeah. a machine in a nail spa? Well, they don't take credit cards. I, you know, I found that out when it was time to pay. <laughs> so yeah, case in point right there. Talk to us about the acquisitions that you made in 2017 and how those are factoring into your future growth strategy. Oh, yeah, great question. So, um, We've uh, really kind of got to, to cash flow positive position, and we're uh, we're very close to being debt free, and we're able to, to fund growth through cash flow, and uh, that puts us in a position to uh, to also be able to expand from uh, acquisition. So in, in 2017, we actually acquired three different uh, we call routes or, or portfolios of machines. Um, we we purchased a, a group of machines in uh, Corpus Christi, Texas. Um, and I think it was it was around 20 machines or so there. And uh, we actually had a group uh, in Kansas City as well, uh, more on the on the Missouri side. Uh, we uh, we picked up uh, several machines there, and then we we did a, um, a smaller, it was like maybe 12 or 14 in uh, Columbia, South Carolina. And so okay. people contact us online. Really, uh, we have uh, you know a page on our site. Uh, talking about our, uh, you know, our, we're, we're buying the, these ATM routes or portfolios, and sometimes people call us and say, "Hey, would you be interested in this one?" And that that's kind of what happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, at least the, the two out of town, anyway. And uh, the local yeah. one, we had a kind of a relationship already, and they wanted to to retire and get out of business, and so that kind of gave us a good opportunity. And that's actually kind of a, a unique part of the story too. Is you think a lot of people that have been in the ATM business, they they started in the early days of the business, and they're ready to retire, right? And we're, yes. we're still yes. relatively young, and that that kind of gives us uh, some unique opportunities as well, right? With people who are wanting to get out of the business, and you know we're still wanting to to grow and feeling spunky and that kind of stuff. Then uh, you know we that that kind of plays nicely into into our growth strategy. Yeah, an acquisition is certainly a very legitimate way to grow it, and it sounds like it's a deliberate strategy that you are following rather than just kind of a oh well we'll see if if something comes along. So talk to us a bit about your entrepreneurial achievements. You know, I mentioned that you won the 25 under 25 award. What, what, what do you consider your other entrepreneurial achievements in the last nine years? Well, I, uh, two come to mind. Uh, the, the first one uh, really, you know, kind of really helped set the, the trajectory of my uh, entrepreneurial career is learning search engine optimization. 
how do you get your website uh-huh. to rank on Google? And uh, I, I uh, <laughs> that was self-taught, right? I, you know, I didn't have enough money to to pay a, a big firm to to do that for me. I knew some people that that did that for professionally, and I you know enjoyed uh, asking them a lot of questions. I spent many evenings reading online, you know, about blogs and different things about how to do that. And, and essentially, I taught myself how to do that, and uh, that that has just been. Um, extremely valuable uh, for me and the businesses that, that I've been a part of. Um, so I'd say that's, well, a, that's a nice a nice achievement, and, and it very much it, transcends. It is, and, yeah. <laughs> and, Coming from uh, somebody who has to do that, I know it's, it's, it's something that is an achievement, believe me. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, yeah, congratulations. It's even more, uh, yeah, thanks. But it's one of those things that's kind of like continuing education, okay? So Google changes the algorithm, and, you know, they give names to their search engine updates like uh, Panda and, and different things like this, right? In which case, you know, you have to, you know, kind of evolve. But fortunately, I always use the, the kind of real basic white hat stuff that never really had too much trouble with those algorithm changes. Mm. Um, but, um, but yeah, so that, that's been a, a big thing because, I mean, we get, you know, the vast majority of our, our business is, is, is inbound organic, you know, when you rank mm-hmm. in the first page or in the, the top section, you know, you're the first result for, for Google when someone types in, you know, ATM company in Kansas City or, or things like this, you know, that, that I mean, it's just wonderful for, for what it can do for a business. Oh, it's gold. Company Absolutely. Can, yeah, it can compete with, with, you know, giant companies and, uh, you know, so to kind of create some, some equilibrium uh, in, in the industry, right? But so that's a big one I would talk about. And also recommend to, to other listeners that trying to grow their business that that's an investment in time that uh, that really pays dividends is learning that search engine optimization stuff. And then the other thing is is being able to to scale the business. So when I first started in, in a small business, and well, I mean separate from when I was a kid, you know, trying to mow lawns and things, I uh, you know it was always a local a local thing. You know, business was what you did locally, face-to-face and in your market and, and things like that. And um, I just always felt limited by that, 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 like, I need to find a way to, to scale scale the business so that it can grow um, without everything being face-to-face right here in the town I live in. And so I'm very proud about how we, we really thought through the, the process of the customer experience, uh, the onboarding of, of how we engage with our partners and, and the whole thing and, and how we developed our network. And, and we were very purposeful in, in how we did, I call it almost like a machine. Okay, so the, the ability to scale the business is like building a machine. Uh, but once you get the machine built, it can really you know, chug along and, and you know, get multiple cylinders in there and it can be really powerful. And uh, right. so that, I'm really, really proud about how we were able to, to do that, to kind of grow from, from just out of the Kansas City uh, market to, to really being a player on the national scene. Yeah, well, in addition to increasing your presence uh, nationally and likewise your, your profits, the other thing that that more than likely forced you to do that a lot of entrepreneurs just never are able to do is to make the business non-dependent on you or independent of you so that at the end of the day you'll have a saleable business. There are so many businesses that are only able to operate because of their owner. But to scale to the degree that you have scaled, you obviously have created a business model where if something happened to you or whatever that you've got procedures in place and, and processes in place that somebody else could step in and the business would survive. 
Yeah, completely. And we talked about this uh, the other night, just briefly. Is you know, I, I, uh, you know, I, my way of responding is is, just, is inspired by uh, rich dad, poor dad, in the, in the cash flow quadrant, right? I mean, the real definition of the business is that you, the business isn't just you and what you do, right? Is the, you know that's that's mm-hmm. kind of the definition that Robert Kiyosaki uses when he describes um, you know, a business owner and. Uh, and yeah, so we, we've you know that that's been the goal really from the very beginning was was how to, how to, how to do that that you know we, you have to be able to build a team and, and have the the systems and the processes you know to, to make the machine and uh, if you have the team and the machine uh, you know that that's a real business. Right. So, what advice would you give to other entrepreneurs or even even aspiring entrepreneurs, those who haven't necessarily made the leap yet, who are listening? Well, you know, uh, I got a lot of things I'd uh, I'd offer, but I give you it in, in the abbreviated version is um, one is is start with the business model and the numbers. You know, sometimes you know it's easy to think about things we like or we're passionate about, but you know, we're going to make money doing that, right? <laughs> and and uh, mm-hmm. you know, to look at look at how otherwise the money it's is a made. hobby. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And you know, how how's the money made and and for us in particular, it was, you know, do I want to work one time and, and every time I, I want to get paid, i got to work again? Or, you know, can I find a way where we can make it a little bit more residual or reoccurring in nature where we can work one time and get paid many times? And and that, that was right. a, kind of the key focus that, that led us in the payment industry in the first place. But focus on the business model. And in particular, you know, reoccurring business models are, are very attractive. They're, they're a lot easier to find success with. The challenge with those is they can take a long time to uh, to ramp them up and to to, to make them sustainable. Because um, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes you don't make you don't make very much on each sale, right? And it takes uh, yeah. a good number of clients for for that to, to add up. But uh, folks on the business model, and the numbers, uh, learn uh, search optimization and internet things yourself. Uh, it's very difficult to rely on others uh, exclusively. I mean, you know, you can need some help now and then, but uh, the more you can do yourself, uh, you know, the more uh, you can do cost-effectively. I think that's a big one. And, uh, you know, try different things about what works, what doesn't work, and uh, evolve your approach um, to, uh, you know, spend your time and energy doing more of what's working and less of what's not working. You know, I think that's uh that's another good piece of advice, and uh, ask for for mentors, and and uh, you know there's a, there's no shortage of people out there that are willing to help if you just ask. So ask them about Very true. You know, what they did, and you know I mean probably the listeners are here because they want to hear about what other people are doing, right? And and so that that's exactly. a good thing as well. Well, you're obviously doing a lot of right things, and it's great advice that you've given us today. If someone were interested in finding out more about your company, what's your website? It's uh, Prinetta.com, P-R-I-N-E-T-A.com. Okay, nice so Prinetta.com. seven letters. It is. It's very short. That was so hard Prinetta.com. to find a domain. <laughs> we, had to, we had to make really? that up in order to find that. Yeah, we took two Latin words, and, uh, and that didn't really make a real Latin word, but, uh, you know, there was a prefix and the suffix and, in order to find mm-hmm. one that, you know, would look like it made somewhat sense to be readable and wasn't already taken. And yeah, um, so so what are the so, two Latin words? Uh, so P R I is a prefix for like primary, um, mm-hmm. yeah, first, you know, that kind of thing. And then Netta um, was, uh, I remember exactly, but something about a network, right? And so that they kind of kind of made sense to go together a little bit for us. 
Well, there you have it, Pranetta.com. Jason, it's been wonderful having you on the show today. Uh, we've enjoyed it. It's been fun getting to know you. And stay in touch, okay? Absolutely. Will do. Thanks again. Appreciate the opportunity. You bet. And if you'd like to learn more about how to grow your company, please visit our website at ithinkbigger.com. Follow us on Facebook, Thinking Bigger Business Media, or on Twitter at I Think Bigger. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.